Hi, Stonebridge Disco listeners. Rachel here. This is kind of a special episode um, because I, as many of you know, have been following this project from the start. I'm a former academic, um, which I guess just means that I used to be part of the system of knowledge production that is housed in universities. You know, academics call that system the academy, and I, I feel like we got to have a name for it, so I use that term, even though it seems like normal folks uh, who are not impacted by its sphere of influence uh, tend to think that, like, the academy is just a term for the thing that gives out Oscars, which I don't blame you for at all. Um, but those of us who have, like, been working in the university system of knowledge production know that it is... It is unwell. Um, <laughs> that is, if we're feminists. Uh, whoa, that was a bold thing to say. The first five minutes. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna continue um, because I quit my program uh, when I had an advisor who was openly hostile to the idea of talking about lesbians, and I mean lesbians as a specific category of people as separate from queer women. I didn't realize that I probably you know at the time I didn't realize that I had some potential uh, recourse in the university system. I was so intimidated and scared and and just kind of bullied. Like even my writing style was criticized, which I don't actually, you know, in retrospect, think there's anything wrong with my writing style. It got so personal that I was like, I have to get away from here to be healthy. And that's why I quit without even saying what was happening to me. So here I am, I'm on a podcast, I'm telling you what was happening. Uh, and, and what happened was I was too two hair widths away from getting my PhD in communication, um, doing discourse analysis uh, of the way that the LGBTQ community spaces um, dominant in academy land were uh, framing sex, right? So I was writing about how lesbians were being impacted by a reframing of sex as gender, kind of a, yeah, it's, it's really a reframing. It was like a wholesale insistence that instead of talking about bodies, that we only talk about the social construct of gender as the thing that disciplines us, which was ironic to me because that was the thing that original Judith Butler, you know, like if we're talking about the birth of this stuff as queer theory, original Judith Butler was like, gender is the thing that we can that we can fuck with upon the reality, embodied reality of the fact that our bodies position us as different, right? That sexual difference is a factor in human consciousness, whether or not we can like lay out all of these um, biological, scientific, like clear cut lines, which a lot of them are clear cut, I'm learning. But basically like the whole world of the humanities had convinced everyone that there's no zero material basis for sex difference as even something that we experience. So I was trying to argue for the experiential value of studying how being female affects gay people, gay ladies. And uh, and my my advisor just wasn't having it. Not not with the words that I was using. And I was like, but, the, but that's the study I'm doing. I'm studying the way the words are being used. It's super, super, um, you know, self-conscious on purpose. Well, I'm learning that that self-consciousness about the way words are being used is, is anathema to the current academy in more ways than I even knew when I quit back in 2019. Um, this week, actually it might have been more than a week ago at this point, but this week I learned that the American Anthropological Association, which was my original like disciplinary home, I've been to the AAA meetings, AAA meetings, and like they were going to have a big one this year with the Canadian uh, Anthropology Society, which is CASCA, 
So American Anthropological Association is AAA. Canadian Anthropology Society is CASCA. They were going to, they are going to hold an annual meeting, a joint annual meeting in Toronto in November of this year. Uh, what had happened was my worst fear and the thing that ran me out of the academy. It's like coming true. So that's why I'm, I'm submitting here thoughts for your consideration. Um, basically, a panel was canceled after the six female panelists had already paid a bunch of money to like go to the thing and their panel had already been accepted. Then it got canceled and with no no good reason whatsoever. So, but we can, those of us who are, who have experienced this know without, it's almost like you just <sighs> repetitive sigh, right? It's the same thing we keep seeing, but worse and turned up and more ironic. The panel was titled, let's talk about sex, baby, colon, why biological sex remains a necessary analytic category in anthropology. You can, you can tell if you've been in this, if you've been even adjacent to conversations about sex and gender within feminism or like LGBTQ movement spaces recently, you know that half the people in the room are going to think that that title is a crime and the other half are going to feel desperately like they are being gaslit <laughs> for, for like thinking that it's important. So it's already divisive, right? I just wanted to read to you before I get to the reason that it was canceled, what the panel was supposed to do. So Kathleen Lowry is an associate professor of anthropology at the University of Alberta. She organized the panel. Um, this is what she wanted to do. She said, the AAA is the largest professional association of anthropologists in the world. And the joint conference with CASCA, which happens every third year, I believe, that's her speaking, is the big kahuna of anthropology conferences. I organized the panel in order to bring together two kinds of anthropologists concerned with the replacement of biological sex by, in quotes, gender. On the one hand, scholars like Elizabeth Weiss and Carol Hooven, who have an interest in human evolution, for which sexual reproduction is a relevant process, in parentheses. And on the other, scholars like Sylvia Carrasco, Michelle Syrah, I don't know if that's French, but I'm probably saying it wrong regardless, and Kathleen Richardson, who have an interest in feminist issues, for which sex-based oppression is a relevant process. So she has these like parallel parenthetical statements. She says, for which sexual reproduction is relevant on the one hand, um, for, for anthropologists who study evolution, and then uh, these anthropologists who have an interest in feminist issues, for which sex-based oppression is a relevant process. So sexual reproduction, sex-based oppression are relevant processes for these different groups of anthropologists, all of whom are female. She continues, I have interests in both domains and thought it would be great to bring together scholars concerned for different reasons with sex as a category of anthropological analysis in order to see where our concerns overlap and where they diverge. I truly do not understand why anyone who disagrees with any of this wouldn't simply turn up to the panel and engage us in discussion. That's what conferences are for. I would be sincerely interested to hear AAA and CASCA representatives elaborate on why they think talking about biological sex is threatening and harmful to trans-identified people or to what they term the LGBTQI community. So I'll get to the, the statement that, that said that this panel was harmful, but from what she says about the panel, you could maybe understand why it has some utility, especially if you're somebody like me who's still been trying to talk about sex and has been accused of being like a thought criminal, you know? This was my, my advisor who um, actively discouraged me from working with the one person who did ultimately want to work with me. He was an emeritus scholar and he did discourse analysis just like I did. But she told me that he was probably sick of talking about it, so I shouldn't talk to him. I, it's like the whole, the whole, all the cards were like stacked against me being able to just have a neutral conversation with a scholar of words about words because 
everything was being mediated by my advisor who identified as a queer femme and told me that as a queer woman, she did not see herself in my dissertation, which by the way, was about lesbians. You know, we were having these definitional wars and the, the operations of power were upon me, like upon my shoulders. I had to account for why, as she said, I was generalizing when I said, I, I, the sentence that came out of my mouth was, traditional butch and femme lesbians who are really invested in the way the female body sets up the butch experience for a certain life path, right? Who know that there is some specificity to being a female masculine human being. Those people feel left out of, of queer community. And she accused me of generalizing. And as though that, as though generalizing itself is like the grand crime. And it was like, things got so intense. This was in my dissertation um, proposal defense. So I was like proposing what I wanted to do. And I was so terrified. I, I know that if anybody like had a video of me trying to talk, it would be clear how scared I was of, of performing for her this thing that you have to do, this proposal defense. But it got so intense that one of that another committee member was had to kind of intervene and said, wow, it's interesting how we don't even ask questions of people proposing their dissertation anymore. We just make statements. And I was like, I, it, I know that he said that because I was so under the gun. Um, and it was inappropriate. It was entirely inappropriate. And I now know that I should have probably taken some action. I should have told the university because I how many other people like me are turning away from participating in academia because people are making us feel insane, insane and, and impossible. Like the words that we use for ourselves are crimes. I, when I talked about the need to retain femaleness as an experiential category in lesbian conversations, the, the fact that we were being told that we can't say that word, which we are, and people like the AAA folks are telling us that we can't say that word and, and mean our own experiences, if that's happening, if that level of, of discipline is happening before we even get to a conference space where we can have a conversation, where we can have a back and forth and be responsible, if, for instance, our advisors, like my advisor, are talking down to us and disciplining and squashing any attempt we make to talk about lesbian specificity and female bodies, how much more is that going to ramify if we all just stop going to school, essentially? We all just stop going. And so that's that's one reason that I feel kind of called to do this podcast, because it's like, a waste of all of the comps exams that I was tortured by, like all of the shit that I did to get through that system. If I'm just going to be another one, another like capable lesbian scholar who just stops going to school because we can't talk. So when I saw this come across, you know, my, my <laughs> retinas this week, I was like, there it is. Like it's, this is, it's, are we peaking now? Do we get it? Because I, there is there is a silencing that is operating in one direction only ever and it is against female human beings trying to talk okay um this was actually the the panel description the original panel description or part of it so when kathleen lowry proposed the panel and it was accepted this is what happened while it has become increasingly common in anthropology and public life to substitute sex with gender Ah, God damn, isn't that true? So <laughs> our whole point is a la Simone de Beauvoir, a la everybody, all the feminist theorists, sex and gender are two separate things. There's one that is the embodied experience that we should be able to respect and love and talk about. And then there's gender, which is the social construct bit. Gender cannot simultaneously be socially constructed and also inherent to a person. That's impossible. We have to separate them 
And every feminist who founded feminism, who founded women's studies, separated the two of them. But Kathleen Lowry is right that this is happening. So now I'm going to shut up. I'm just like, you can hear in my voice. This is, this is like the real shit for me. This is the original panel description. While it has become increasingly common in anthropology and public life to substitute sex with gender, there are multiple domains of research in which biological sex remains irreplaceably relevant to anthropological analysis. Contesting the transition from sex to gender in anthropological scholarship deserves much more critical consideration than it has hitherto received in major disciplinary fora like AAA slash CASCA. This diverse international panel brings together scholars from sociocultural anthropology, archaeology, and biological anthropology who describe why in their work, gender is not helpful and only sex will do. This is particularly the case when the work is concerned with equity and the deep analysis of power, and which has an, as an aim the achievement of genuine inclusivity. With research foci from hominin evolution to contemporary artificial intelligence, from the anthropology of education to the debates within contemporary feminism about surrogacy, panelists make the case that while not all anthropologists need to talk about sex, baby, some absolutely do. What on earth is objectionable about that panel description? And I would like to add that the folks who banned the panel, who canceled it very late in the game, did not ask, did not even contact these folks with any clarifying questions. So what they saw of this panel was that statement. That's what they saw. They didn't contact them and ask if they could get more clarification on what the panels are about. They didn't look at the individual papers and decide like, okay, maybe this one's actually doing something bad, which none of them are. <laughs> none of those people who she mentioned are doing harmful work. Um, it's, it's like, can we all just agree that, that what we're looking at is not hurting anyone? Is that possible? No, not when women want to do something. When women want to do something, it has to be shit upon. Okay, so, and I say women, I should say females, because I, I do think it's actually increasingly necessary to distinguish who gets their voice heard and who doesn't. The people who don't get their voice heard in these matters and in the world of anthropology are systemically, like, it, forever and ongoing, but in new creative ways, female people, right? The people who never have controlled the written record, we're still not controlling it. We still don't get to like make our own rules. It's incredibly ironic to me that these, that Lowry specifically sets up this, this idea of inclusivity of thought, like, please show up to the panel, please fight with us. That's cool. We want to figure out the extent to which these things matter. And the response, the response, which was not written by any specific author, and here's where I'm, I'm going to include a coda, a long coda, probably about the nature of power. There is a response to explaining, right, why the panel was canceled. Um, it's called No Place for Transphobia in Anthropology. First, I want to ask, did you hear any transphobia in that panel title or in that panel description? Jesus. <laughs> They're asking to retain an analytic category that is relevant for people, including me. OK, but let me read you this statement with no author written by folks who control the discipline that taught me about power and how when you when you exercise power without putting your name on something, you're hiding. These people are hiding. Here's the statement. No place for transphobia in anthropology. The AAA and CASCA boards reached a decision to remove the session, let's talk about sex, baby, why biological sex remains a necessary analytic category in anthropology from the AAA slash CASCA 2023 conference program. This decision was based on extensive consultation and was reached in the spirit of respect for our values in order to ensure the safety and dignity of all of our members, as well as the scientific integrity of the program. Uh, where went the safety and dignity of the panelists? 
Is it slander? Okay, hold on. I'm not to the slander part yet. No, I am actually, because they're saying that these six female panelists like want to hurt people. Okay, hold on. Their statement continues. The first ethical principle in AAA's principles of professional responsibility is do no harm. Sorry, I'm so angry, actually. The session was rejected because it relied on assumptions that run contrary to the settled science in our discipline. Framed in ways that do harm to vulnerable members of our community, it commits one of the cardinal sins of scholarship. It assumes the truth of the proposition that it sets out to prove, namely that sex and gender are simplistically binary and that this is a fact with meaningful implications for the discipline. Okay, I'm gonna withhold one moment. (laughs) I continue, this is their statement. Such efforts contradict scientific evidence, including the wealth of anthropological scholarship on gender and sex. Forensic anthropologists talking about talk about using bones for sex estimation, not sex identification, a process that is probabilistic rather than clearly determinative and that is easily influenced by cognitive bias on the part of the researcher. Around the world and throughout human history, there have always been people whose gender roles do not align neatly with their reproductive anatomy. Are they talking about me? Okay, here they are. There is no single biological standard by which all humans can be reliably sorted into a binary male-female sex classification. On the contrary, anthropologists and others have long shown sex and gender to be historically and geographically contextual, deeply entangled, and dynamically mutable categories. The function of the gender-critical scholarship advocated in this session, and they put gender-critical in quotation marks, I don't even know where and how Kathleen Lowry uses that term, or if she does, but it's worth looking at whether that appears and, and in what way. Anyways, the function of that of the gender critical scholarship advocated in this session, like the function of the quote race science, whoa, of the late 19th and early 20th centuries is to advance a quote scientific reason to question the humanity of already marginalized groups of people. In this case, those who exist outside a strict and narrow sex gender, what? Outside a strict and narrow sex gender binary. Transgender and gender diverse identities have long existed and we are committed to upholding the value and dignity of transgender people. We believe that a more just future is possible, one where gender diversity is welcomed and supported rather than marginalized and policed. Okay, I'm gonna go line by line, because I just can't not. I can't not. First off, this has no authors. Anthropology is the discipline that I came from because anthropology initially, when I was taught it by a brilliant person, it taught us how to how to think through the ways that power structures the things we say, right? Foucault, 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 Foucault. Michel Foucault was a French postmodernist, well, also kind of modernist. He's a philosopher, and, and his work kind of founds a lot of what modern anthropology does in terms of unsettling assumptions about what is true, what's not, or at least getting us to talk to each other and try to locate where our ideas are coming from and where those ideas are articulating or meeting up with other ideas, where they're being kind of shut down in conflict with with certain ideas. Like what's the structure basically of the truth that is being produced as fact? This is a Michel Foucault quote. Truth is a thing of this world. It is produced only by virtue of multiple forms of constraint and it induces regular effects of power. Each society has its regime of truth, its general politics of truth, that is, the types of discourse which it accepts and makes function as true, the mechanisms and instances which enable one to distinguish true and false statements, the means by which each is sanctioned, the techniques and procedures accorded value in the acquisition of truth, the status of those who are charged with saying what counts as true. Anthropology taught me to think about the status of those who are charged as saying what counts as true. Here in the statement, we have no, zero, we have anti-reflection, on issues of status, on issues of silencing and censoring 
and disciplining what is and is not appropriate to say. We have a 100% flip projection of the panelists who, who are there to contribute to discourse, who are there to create a diversity of discourses in the same room. We're, we have an accusation that what they are doing is actively harming gender diverse people. It doesn't ring even partially honest. It's not honest. And if it was honest, they would put their names on and they would explain why they say what they say. Because here, I'm going to go line by line and talk about the absolute crystal, crystalline nuggets of bullshit that this statement represents. You harm my people. You harm my female academics just like me. I'm coming for you. And look, I don't even know who you are. You succeeded in being Michel Foucault's worst fucking enemy. Okay. They got rid of the panel based on extensive consultation in order to ensure the safety and dignity of all of our members, but they don't cite any, any threat that is tangibly represented by the panel just happening. Okay. The session was rejected because it violates the principle of doing no harm. We don't see how this panel, quote, does harm to vulnerable members of our community. It commits one of the cardinal sins of scholarship, they say. The panel assumes the truth of the proposition that sex and gender are simplistically binary. The panel never said that it was talking about gender, and it never even said that sex was simplistically binary. It never said either one of those things, and it certainly wouldn't put them in a relationship where they're interchangeable the way this statement does. It is precisely what the panel was saying, that the leadership of all of these academic organizations, which I know to be fucking true, it's even true in the National Women's Studies Association. The word woman is falling out of that conversation. The word lesbian is falling out of that conversation. There's a reason, because we're, we're being encouraged to use words that replace or are deemed interchangeable with the ones that we use. So for me, it was queer. I was encouraged to use the word queer instead of the word lesbian. And I realized that the more I tried to do that, the more twisted in knots I became about the in my inability to articulate, like, what I'm talking about is a bodily experience that is specific. It is, it is tied to woman, to woman identity overlapping with female body, which is not true of all people and doesn't have to be. But, like, it's not even true of all people in those two separate categories, right? But that's what I was trying to speak to, and I was being encouraged to replace it with queer as though that term was the same, right? That's why my, my advisor was like, as a queer woman, I don't see myself in your dissertation. And I was like, number one, why would you need to be in my dissertation? Number two, I'm definitely not using the word queer because by that point I had figured out I had to use the word lesbian to make any sense whatsoever. I said, a lot of this is about the retention of sex as an analytical category. And her direct response was, Rachel, a lot of people are ready for gender to go away. <laughs> I was like, that they're not this, I'm talking about sex. So that's what we're dealing with. We're being presented a world in which the terms sex and gender are interchangeable or in some way both linked as, yeah, as like one monolith that is either binary or not. And that is precisely what the panel is saying, please don't do. Well, they do it in the in this statement. And they project that the panelists assume the truth of the proposition they set out to prove, even while they are assuming the truth of the proposition that they set out to prove, that sex and gender are the same fucking thing. They say efforts to, and it's unclear what they even mean, because they say the issue is whether sex and gender are simplistically binary. So are they talking about sex or are they talking about gender? But then they go on to say such efforts contradict scientific evidence, including the wealth of anthropological scholarship on gender and sex. Look how, again, they're included as a monolith together, the same unit. 
Forensic anthropologists talk about using bones for sex estimation, not sex identification. This is fascinating as a discursive construct that these people would say, it's possible to even talk about sex estimation because if you're estimating something, then there is a there there. If you're estimating something, then that means there has to be a, whether it's a construct or an idea, I mean, everything in a way is a construct because it's an idea, right? But the idea that we have constructed of what sex is has to be there, there somewhere to be separate from gender for there to be a process to estimate it. But they put their stamp on the, on the term sex estimation. They just don't put their stamp on the term sex identification, which is fine. At that point, that's a definitional issue. We can say we're estimating sex based on bones because it, it is only an estimation. It's probabilistic. It is. But it's like if there's something there that you're estimating that is called sex, then you have to start treating it as something separate from gender, which is all this panelist, all, all that Lowry and the whole panel was begging to do was to treat it as something separate. That's why they say retain. They use the word retain. Retain sex as an analytic category. No matter. These people don't even pay attention to what they say. Um, okay. Around the world and throughout, this is where I become a straw man, and I fucking love this, right? As a butch lesbian who is female, who is proudly female, I know that my femaleness has set me up for a specific experience in this world, especially as a lesbian, especially as someone who needs to be loved for my body by my femme lesbian wife, right? We're traditional in that sense, <laughs> like traditional feminists in the sense that we think it's important to love my body, okay? Um, that whole fuckery, that whole fuckitude that butch lesbians are stuck in right now, being made to feel like there's something fundamentally, necessarily trans about being a female person with our sexuality, that is fucked up. <laughs> and, and in order to even talk about it, I have to be able to use the word sex, right? So that's why I'm so invested. Okay, but here, here I'm a straw man, as I am every goddamn time. Around the world and throughout human history, there have always been people whose gender roles do not align neatly with their reproductive anatomy. There is no single biological standard by which all humans can be reliably sorted into a binary male-female sex. Well, those are two separate things. Whew, and that second one is a mess. But the first one. There have always been people whose gender roles do not align neatly with their reproductive... Fucking duh! Duh! I am one of them! I am telling you that my class condition is female. Whatever you want to say about my gender role, I'd rather talk about my class condition. It's way more important to me and to millions of other women. Billions. Literally billions. So... I'm that person. I'm that bitch, right? I have a fully male passing persona. This is, I walk out in the world and people serve me, okay? I open my mouth and then they man me. And I do that intentionally to disrupt this idea that women can't be a certain way. Y'all have all heard me rant on that front plenty. I am that bitch whose gender role, if you want to call it that, does not align neatly with my reproductive anatomy. I'm tired of being used in these statements. Because here's the thing, there's no way for me to theorize the relevance of my gender role without theorizing the relevance of my reproductive anatomy. Get off my D. Get off my D. Sick of it. <laughs> uh, and then they go on. This is okay. So that's probably not even enough on that front. Um, but I just wanted to say, if you're talking about me, I need the category of sex. So fuck off. They go on to say, there is no single biological standard by which all humans can be reliably sorted into a binary male-female sex classification. There actually is, it's gametes. There actually is, it's gametes, and I don't want to fight that fight because I don't care. I don't think feminists need biology. We don't have to, like, prove that the science is there to know that this is an experiential fact and our experiences are being denied every goddamn second by people like this who don't put their names on these statements, who don't let us talk about what we need because they're answering to a political lobby. Moving on. 
anthropologists and others, here we go again, anthropologists and others have long shown sex and gender to be historically and geographically contextual, deeply entangled and dynamically mutable. Sex and, so sex and gender, what are they? Are they identical? Why do we do sex estimation on bones instead of gender estimation? Is one a social construct and one is a body? Or are they the same goddamn thing? Enough. These people present them as the same thing. Foucault would have a fit. A fit. And all these people are teaching Foucault in their basic, basic classes. And they're, they're like enacting it. They're being the diffuse, like controlling voice of power that shuts down the marginalized. Like they're doing it right now. And they're using the most flimsy excuses you could possibly think of. Like the idea that talking about being female hurts people. Come on. I've heard that one enough. Being female has hurt me. Deal with it. Whoo, spicy. Okay. Um, you can't, you can't say sex and gender and include them together. That's the whole point of the panel and certainly proves that the panel needed to happen so that we could discuss ways to disarticulate them. Okay, they claim that this gender critical scholarship is the same thing as the race, science of whatever, whatever. That it's trying to advance a scientific reason to question the humanity of already marginalized groups of people. Did you get a sense from the ground up, from Kathleen Lowry's panel description to her response, which you can find in its entirety on, online, I, I never once got the sense that anyone's humanity was being questioned or anything really less than kind of celebrated for the diversity that's there. These are, these are actual anthropologists doing actual anthropology. They want to talk about how a lot of people use the category of sex-based oppression who need it desperately. I certainly do. I certainly do. Like, I'm not allowed to, um, here's the thing I've learned, like, y'all, nobody's coming to save the butch lesbians. Nobody cares. Nobody is like here to speak for us except for ourselves. And in order to speak for ourselves, we're going to have to get really, really, really brave about, about articulating that our stance in this world is deeply sex-based and everything that we do to cross gender, to fuck with gender, to all of that, it's 1990s old school, actually rebellious Judith Butler. It's like, you have to go from the ground of what you're, what you're, what you're stuck with, what you're in, what your body, the body that you inhabit has dignity and you have a right to talk about it. I'm fucking sick of the most heralded voices in pop culture talking about female masculinity, talking about it without the femaleness entirely, talking only about their discomfort with their body instead of fucking loving it. It's like, if you love it, if you love who you are, you're not allowed to talk about that if you look like one of us, right? The only ones of us who are allowed to talk about it are the ones who feel some discomfort with the category of female or with the category of woman or who are doing an entirely different project. Meanwhile, these people come in here on their like white horses or whatever the idiom is, and they, they think they're speaking for people like me. They don't live my life. They don't know how much I need the category of sex to live my life. And I, I can't talk about the ways in which my experience is different than somebody like uh, Buck Angel, who's transitioned, right? Who is, who is living as a man. I can't even begin to talk about how my experience is unique in this world relative to somebody like that without the category of sex. And Buck Angel, the same way. He can't do that without talking about sex. We're being like hobbled in our ability to talk to each other. That was weird. I thought of the movie Misery. I couldn't think of a better word. Ew, I don't like that scene. Um, okay. So they go on to talk about, you can just tell this is all like made, like red herrings, left and right, right? 
Transgender and gender diverse identities have long existed. No shit, mine too. And we're committed to upholding the value and dignity of transgender people. No shit, me too. We believe that a more just future is possible, one where gender diversity is welcomed. Look, if you want to welcome my version of gender diversity, you're going to have to be ready to talk about sex. Because here's the damn truth. None of us can be talking about gender without talking about sex. Gender originates as a label upon a body. It cannot be disarticulated. And if you're an actual Foucauldian, you would admit that. I know a lot of people don't have a dog in that fight, but I totally do, because this is such an abuse of, like, all of the core tenets of anthropology. The idea that they shut down this panel, it's almost like this has to be the peaking moment for the American Academy. The AAA is too influential. Uh, (laughs) This is too much. Oh, and then they say, this is, my favorite is the slash that means nothing. So they say, you know, the panel wants to advance a scientific reason to question the humanity of of other people. Like, what? And then they say, those who question the humanity of those who exist outside a strict and narrow sex slash gender binary. Pause. Think about what on earth a sex slash gender binary could possibly be referring to. Who does exist inside a strict and narrow sex slash gender binary? We all accept that gender is a social construct, that it's a social construct that, that comes to us from the fact that we are stuck in a world with male and female and the, the assumptions that adhere to our bodies. That's how we understand gender to have come about as a social factor, right? There is a there there. That's how it gets produced. Now, the question of what we can do with it, whether I can walk around and look like a dude and, and fuck with it, is entirely dependent on whether we acknowledge that sex is its own thing. So not only do we need it, not only do we need to retain it, but there is no world in which it cannot be central to the machinations around what gender is doing in this world. And anyone willing to be honest already knows that this is the case. You know, anthropology since the 1980s, since the linguistic turn or the cultural turn that we are taught in our History of Anthropology graduate seminars, what, what we have been discussing is how all knowledge is produced from a standpoint, that every project has its uh, ideological investments, right? And the best thing we can do is to make visible all of those different knots so that we can begin to untie them, or at least consider how the different strings are interrelated. What this statement from the the two leaders of the AAA and CASCA does is the exact opposite. Um, it, it declares that there is one truth. It fails to put a name on the person who's writing the truth itself. It fails to admit the ways that those two people's projects. Um, and here I am talking about, let me pull their names up because I, they didn't give us anybody to cite other than um, the leaders, right? Uh, Ramona Perez and Monica Heller, who are the presidents of the AAA and, the, and CASCO respectively. I can only imagine that for whatever reason, their careers will be served by this kind of um, symbolic destructive move, you know, like what they are, they are doing the thing that women do when they compete underneath a patriarchal framework. They have to shit on the other women to make themselves look like the better women, right? I'm not the whore. She's the whore. Here we are again. Um, sorry, that's how I feel. That, that part went off the rails a little bit, but only because I'm so angry with them. Uh, so yeah, they didn't put their name down. My point is that they should at least admit, not admit, publicize how they conceptualize sex and gender. If they have such a clean way of theorizing it, which this statement, as I've, as I've detailed, 
is the messiest, naughtiest possible way to think about sex and gender. If they actually have a way to help the panelists who were canceled theorize sex and gender, they certainly do not offer it, right? We are not seeing an academy that is invested in helping other people solve problems. We are not seeing an academy that is invested in being honest and realistic and letting lesbians exist and letting sex-based oppression be a thing that happens, right? What we have is a panel that was proposed that admits that sexual reproduction is a thing and sex-based oppression is a thing. And that panel with those phrases in it is deemed transphobic for no reason whatsoever. That's what we have. That's what we're dealing with. It is, as as Lowry put it, a lobbying campaign that that these these leaders have apparently sold out to because it's going to advance their careers to shit on other women. Um, it is, as, as Lowry says, egregious. Your suggestion that our panel would somehow compromise the scientific, scientific integrity of the program seems to us particularly egregious, as the decision to anathematize our panel looks very much like an anti-science response to a politicized lobbying campaign. Had our panel been allowed to go forward, we can assure you that lively contestation would have been welcomed by the panelists and may even have occurred between us, as our own political commitments are diverse. Instead, your letter expresses the alarming hope that the AAA and CASCA will become, quote, more unified within each of our associations, end quote, to avoid future debates. I'm glad she pointed that out. That is terrifying. Most disturbingly, following other organizations, such as the Society for American Archaeology, the AAA and CASCA have promised that, quote, going forward, we will undertake a major review of the processes associated with vetting sessions at our annual meetings and will include our leadership in that discussion. End quote. Anthropologists around the world will quite rightly find chilling this declaration of war on dissent and on scholarly controversy. It is a profound betrayal of the AAA's principle of, quote, advancing human understanding and applying this understanding to the world's most pressing problems. And you know what? She's a thousand percent right. Because what that statement about why the panel got canceled did was return us to a world in which sex and gender are a hopelessly knotted mess that people like me can't even get a foothold in to describe our own experience. And that's a fucking crime. I think maybe the best place to end is with a little dalliance with Foucault. So Foucault's whole thing is that he kind of got us to think about power. And this, this is like the foundation of the anthropology that I was taught. That's why I'm, I'm looking at it right now today. His thing was power used to operate, like think a monarchy, power operates by scaring people. You cut off the heads of whoever does something bad and that way people don't do it. Power represses, it censors, it commits violence. He was like, wait a minute, in the modern world, power also operates by classifying. It produces categories of person, it produces ideas. Are you healthy, are you unhealthy? Are you normal, are you not normal? Are you sane, are you insane? These are categories that come about with, mo with modernity, with the recording of what's going on with, with groups, massive groups of people in populations, right? He's talking about population level analysis that differentiates groups of people from each other. Foucault would have us ask the question, I would say since about 2015, if he were still here, he would say, how have we now come into a world where people are produced according to their genders, but not to their sexes, where people have a, every person has a gender, just like they have a status of being sane or insane, healthy or unhealthy, or the ways that those regimes of production operated. Now we have a new regime of producing individuals according to not their sex. That has been barred, but only their gender, right? How have we come into a world where there, where one way of understanding humanity has become excluded? This is, this is a Foucault quote that gets to the heart of, of this like classification of humans, right? He says, we must cease once and for all to describe the effects of power in negative terms. It excludes, it represses, it censors, it abstracts, it masks, it conceals. 
In fact, power produces. It produces reality. It produces domains of objects and rituals of truth. The individual and the knowledge that may be gained of him belong to this production. And please let the default male pronoun him in that statement remind us that the history of philosophy is a system of hymns. Yeah, this is what we have to work with. This, these are valuable thoughts. I don't think that thought has a sex, but it sure is true that maleness and femaleness come up in the record quite uh, interestingly on a symbolic level. Okay, enough of that. Here's the thing about what Foucault is saying here. We are being produced a court along the lines of what we are allowed to talk about and what we're not allowed to talk about, right? The things that we are allowed to talk about in public, in um, academic territory these days, include our genders, but do not include our sexes. That's interesting, right? What And his point is that the path, the very paths that we tread become produced for us before we tread them, right? He also says we should stop talking about power as though it's censoring, it's abstracting, all that stuff. It's excluding. But my beef with Foucault is, is there are still populations for whom power does exactly that, right? If you, if you fall outside of the kind of default, as he would put it, the him, the white him subject of, of the academy, um, if you markedly fall outside of it, and I don't mean if you like decide that you're fluid and exist outside of the categories. I'm talking about if you inhabit a category that is the shit upon category, you are still being excluded from the academy and in all the same ways that we've always have been. And I mean female, you know, I mean female. Um, so power is doing that, but it's doing both things at the same time. It's excluding, it's repressing, it's censoring, it's kicking out from the realm of the thinkable, the things that we need to think. The things that I need to conceptualize my experience in this world are, are not on the table to be um, produced as knowledge, according to the folks who like banned this panel. So, so I, I would ask that Ramona Perez and Monica Heller um, and whoever else was responsible for this decision because they have not named themselves, right? And, and Perez and Heller insist that that's a more diverse group than just the two of them, but we have no reason to believe that or know that. Um, I would ask all of those people before they ban a panel that aims to explore potential points of articulation, possible solutions, untangling some knots around questions that female people desperately need engaged with, ask yourself first, who told you that female people is not a category? Who told you that? Where did that come from? Did that person have a name? 